Welcome to Less Than or Equal, the podcast about pursuing equality in geekdom by celebrating the diverse and their accomplishments. I'm your host, Aline Sims, and today I am joined by Ashley Berry. Ashley, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Who are you, Ashley? (laughs) That's a loaded question. (laughs) Well, I'm a human being. Let's start with that. That's good. Um, (laughs) So um, I am, my name is Ashley Berry. I am a contributing writer for a gaming criticism website uh, called Not Your Mama's Gamer, um, where we talk about, write about, games analytically and we also do a bi-weekly podcast uh we're very involved um we just recently interviewed brianna Wu actually for our last podcast episode which was really exciting um i also work at a publishing house during the day in boston um so my background is actually in book business but i really enjoy games and i find that games and books um have many of the same components so i kind of see the overlapping narratives there so how did you start with not your mama's gamer then or start writing with not your mama's gamer um i this is kind of a weird slightly weird story but maybe not um i actually had a professor in undergrad who knew um Samantha Blackman, who is the one who runs Not Your Mama's Gamer. Uh, Samantha's actually a professor at Purdue University. She actually, you know, studies games and, you know, her whole her whole shtick is uh, looking at games and looking at tropes and games and everything. It's really cool. So I knew someone who knew her (laughs) and she and this person um said hey you should check out this website not your mama's gamer and you know i did and what really um what really caught me about this website was that it was very different from other like gaming websites i've read like it really kind of got into the meat of of video games and what makes them work or what makes them don't you know doesn't work um and i thought it was so unique and i enjoyed like you know, it was really nice to see a bunch of women writing about games and having like a solid perspective on things, you know, whether that um, is a feminist perspective or, you know, what have you. So I ended up um, connecting with Samantha on Facebook and just saying, hey, I really like your stuff. Um, You know, can we be friends on Facebook? And she said, sure. And uh, I ended up being a um, guest on their podcast once and we had a lot of fun and we just kicked it off. And one day I asked her, I said, Hey, are you looking for any other writers? Because, you know, I also, um, go to pop culture conferences and I present on video games. So like, I'm not a stranger to thinking about games in this way. And she, um, she gave me, she said I could write two samples for her and I did, and I got in. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. So You've written on, um, I remember reading an article about um, mentally ill characters or or games featuring mentally ill characters. Yes. Um, And and I'm looking, it's been a little bit since I've, writing about femininity, um, an analytical look at unconventional femaleness and vampires. Yeah. Um, (laughs) How do you select um, a subject and then games to write about? Oh my goodness. Um, that's a really good question. I think you've stumped me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, well, with the vampire article, um, it actually, so it got mentioned on Kotaku, which is like really, really cool. And, um, I, (laughs) I wrote it because I watched the Swedish film, um, let the right one in one night and I also am a huge fan of Anne Rice and I love vampires and I think they're really cool and just fascinating as a character to study and you know not only in literature but also in film and video games and so I said well I'm really into this movie that I'm watching like I thought it was so cool and it was such a unique way of presenting female vampire you know a a female vampire and so I said you know what I'm gonna try um I'm going to try to write about femaleness, like femaleness and vampires, and let's go with that. So I talked about Blood Rain, (laughs) which is such a guilty pleasure of mine because it's such like a hack and slash kind of game. It's hilarious. And um, I talked about um, Claudia from Interview with the Vampire, the movie, and Eli from Let the Right One In. And um, 
I just decided to just go with it. I, I thought the vamp, the female vampire in particular, is really interesting to think about. Um, and so that's how I came to write about it. It was really the movie that inspired me. And I said, wow, I should really take a look at uh, vampires across all mediums and think about it <laughs> and talk about it. Interesting. Um, and then what about this, the article on mental illness, which I thought was was really interesting how you went through um, never ending nightmares and and kind of evaluated it and evaluated how it how it treated the protagonist um, from a standpoint of like he's someone who has mental illness. Um, so that one was really interesting. Um, I actually received the, a very mixed, um, you know, mixed feedback about that one because a lot of people, um, responded very strongly to it. Um, I originally read a article on FemHype, which is another website that I really love. Um, and it was about the insanity trope and, um, presenting, uh, mentally ill characters as, you know, um, like really deranged or really like, you know, in straight jackets. And it was just kind of like a negative trope that I've seen over and over again. And, um, I was kind of more interested in seeing, um, you know, other forms of mental illness, like depression and anxiety, and maybe ones that are, that aren't quite so, um, obvious, um, because mental illness also runs in my family. So it was something I just was personally interested in. And um, I looked at Never Ending Nightmares and I really wanted to like this game because I read their Kickstarter and um, the developer actually suffered uh, or has suffered before from OCD and um, depression. And the game was kind of, um, you know, he was inspired to make a game where a character had, you know, episodes or, you know, suffered from mental illness. Um, but I just felt like it kind of fell into that trope a little bit. And there were parts of the game that I really loved. And I thought the atmosphere was interesting. And like the house kind of was its own character, which I thought was really cool. Um, but the main character of Thomas, um, you know, a lot of the time he, you know, <laughs> he was kind of, I don't know, he... Like you'd see him with an axe or he'd be stabbing someone or something. I don't know. Like, I just, I just feel like that the insanity trope, um, kind of leans on, you know, mental illness equals violence. violence and that's not always true. Um, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's true of some people and, you know, I can't speak for all experiences, but, um, I just kind of wanted to see more of a varied representation, maybe, um, you know, somebody that is you know, maybe it's like a little more subtle for them, their mental illness, but yeah. So you and I met very briefly after a Press XY panel at PAX East. Um, why were you at PAX East? Um, why was I not at PAX East? <laughs> <laughs> PAX East, um, I've, this is actually my second year um, going to PAX East and I love it. I, <clears throat> excuse me, I love the, um, I love connecting with the developers and the creators of these games. And I really wanted to go and um, talk to them and uh, get to know them, maybe, um, you know, see if they were interested in maybe being on our podcast and not your mama's gamer. Um, I just want to get other people's voices heard, like, you know, even independent games, like I'm really interested in, um, you know, publicizing indie games just because, they're smaller companies, um, you know, maybe they don't, they don't really have the publicity that they should. Um, so I always try to reach out to people who, and try to give them, um, you know, more visibility and more of a voice. Um, and I was also there because I just really love games and the panels are fascinating and I'm hoping to maybe go on a panel, um, at some point, <laughs> maybe next year. I don't know. I'll try. Um, but why were you there? Um, I, so I live in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And um, I have quite a few friends in the Boston area. So it was basically an excuse for me to go to Boston and see a bunch of people. Um, yeah. There was a, my friend Ken Yagney, who does the Polygamer podcast. Um, mm -hmm. He um, like submitted a, a podcasting panel and I was going to be a panelist, but they didn't select that. 
Um, oh. So there was also kind of that factor thrown into it too. But I was kind of also there for the same, like, maybe I can meet people who will come on the podcast. Right, um, right. And so you're actually the first person I've met who's been able to come on. Everybody else we've kind of um, had not been able to arrange that quite yet. But um, I met a lot of neat people there. Yeah, it, I did too. It was really fascinating. Um, I actually, that's where I connected with Brianna Wu. Um, and I was so nervous when approaching her. I i just expected her to be more of a guarded person. And then she ended up being like totally uh -huh. cheerful and <laughs> just really nice to talk to. And um, I think you and I met after the, um, is was it the trans panel? Yeah, it was the um, it, kind of like a history of trans, a history of transgender representation in video games or an yeah. overview of it. Yeah. Yeah, that was a fan that was a fantastic panel. I'm I'm um I actually met like Charles Battersby and um Re uh Rebecca and uh Janelle uh last year. I went to their panel and um I loved it. I just think they are so cool and I love learning about, you know, trans representation in video games. It's really fascinating to me. Yeah, um and I appreciated that they had the panel there. So, um Charles, just as an aside, was on Ken's podcast um, recently talking about atheism in video games, if anyone's interested in mm. hearing his amazing, beautiful voice, because <laughs> he's just got an amazing voice. He is a like voice silk. actor. Yeah. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I was like, wow, I wish I talked like that. But okay. But, you know, PAX East is not, when I think of somewhere that's friendly to transgender people, PAX East is not what immediately comes to mind. Um, so I was really glad to see panels talking about um, that experience. Yeah, me too. Did you get a chance to um, check out the Diversity Lounge? I actually spent most of our last day in the Diversity Lounge. I was so, um, like... I don't know the expo floor. I'm not really super interested in triple A games. Yeah. And the indie space, I think because it intersected with GDC and people had to make a choice on whether they were going to represent at GDC or PAX East. Um, the indie section of the expo floor was a little sparse. Um, right, right. And I didn't like I don't like people like crowds a lot. So. I feel you, girl. <laughs> So, like, I'm not a great candidate to go to PAX East, you know, <laughs> apparently. But, um, so, yeah, we, um, my husband and my friend Sam and I just kind of hung out in the Diversity Lounge most of Sunday and, like, um, had people, like, texting me and DMing me on Twitter, like, um, past guest Anna McGill, who's a games writer, was like, okay, I have some free time. And I'm like, meet me in the Diversity Lounge. So it was kind of <laughs> nice, like, I had people coming up <laughs> and talking to me. But um, it was a really, really neat space. They had um, a, a, a publisher who focuses on um, graphic no novels featuring um, LGBTQ protagonists. Mm -hmm. I actually bought... Um I actually bought a uh, comic from there. I, I did bought too. Bold, I bought Bold Riley. Did you um, see that one at all? I don't. I don't know. I was so overwhelmed by the choices. <laughs> so I actually I asked. I was like, okay, I like you know kind of sci-fi fantasy type stuff. You know, what should I get? And he was like, this one. And I said, okay. And <laughs> <laughs> it was great. And I don't even remember what it was called. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping to have um, the publisher on the show soon, too. Um, yeah, it was it was a great space. I was really, really glad it was there. It was, you know, it didn't feel like a judgmental place. Um, right. You know, and and it was there are a lot of white people at PAX, you know, yeah. it, it was it was like I kind of felt like. It was over even as a white person, I'm like, this is overwhelmingly white. <laughs> so it was kind of nice to be able to go to the diversity lounge and, you know, because it attracted a lot of different people. So that was right. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it definitely I hung out there on my last day as well. I was just so overwhelmed. And the expo floor is just so chaotic. Um, <laughs> and it was just nice to break away from that and to just have that space where it was quieter and it felt just secure <laughs> yeah it really did it felt it to me it felt safe you know I can't speak yeah. to other people but 
It was like a cocoon. It was. They had a bunch <laughs> of bean bags and um, yeah. And then I had a 3ds, and um, my husband picked up a 3ds while we were there too, and so we just kind of sat there and s- s- collected street pass people oh, as yes. they walked by. <laughs> so <that> was, <laughs> my boyfriend did the same. <laughs> yeah, that was our day. Yeah. Um, but it was nice to be able to have that. Definitely. And then we, um, we went out, we rented a car and, um, went out and had dinner with Steve Lubitz and his family. And oh, nice. Yeah. It he's was so nice. Yeah. He's, he's good. He he's, gave us a few shout outs on Twitter for, he really enjoys Not Your Mama's Gamer. So I was like, yay. <laughs> and he's really sweet. <laughs> yeah. He's good. I'm hoping to have him back on soon too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what other, you said that you go to different conventions. What others do you go to? Oh, I just have gone to, um, various like pop culture conferences. So not, not necessarily conventions per se. They're, yeah, they're kind of more, um, I don't know, academic. I don't know. I guess that's how you would describe them. Um, actually a couple of weeks ago, um, I went to nor actually was it a couple of weeks ago it was last month the beginning of last month time it escapes me it, um, me too yeah <laughs> um i actually went down to new orleans to present um on bioshock actually about the little sisters and um it was um oh god the acronym is crazy it's pca aca and i'm gonna look that up for you um it was basically their national pop culture conference. So basically you could write about like video games. You can write about, um, I don't know, whatever it is that tickles your fantasy that is considered popular culture. So this, um, I'm trying to figure out. Oh, maybe not. Okay. Well, anyway, it's called PCAACA. I don't remember what it all stands for, but oh wait, Popular Culture Association, American Culture Association. It's such a mouthful. It is. Um, but anyway, yeah, I I um <clears throat> I went down to New Orleans to present and that was really cool and um I also presented at the national kind of version of this conference in Rhode Island in October. So um it's fun. I I enjoy it. I wish I could do it more. I just don't have the money to travel. Um I wish I could go. I think I think next year it's going to be in Seattle and I would really like to go, but we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> this sounds like such a neat conference though it is i'm looking at their mission statement right now it's so cool and i you know i saw a couple of conferences there was a i mean a couple of panels there was one panel that i enjoyed that was on um fan fiction and whether or not fan fiction is like should be considered real written art or just you know like part of a fandom kind of thing which was interesting um but yeah, they had a whole, they had a bunch of video game uh, panels and my panel was, um, who else was on? Um, there was this guy named Adam who was on with me and he is, was really, really cool. And he delivered a paper on like hegemonic um, gameplay versus like deviant gameplay. So you know how like when you can go on like in Skyrim or in Oblivion and you can just randomly pick up a lot of fruit and then like put a bunch of fruit in a room like that's considered like deviant play. Like it's not part of the story, but it can be part of your story. Mm-hmm. Um, so he delivered a whole paper on that, which was interesting. And then um, this uh, really cool lady named Shell, she did a presentation on animal captivity games and, um, you know, whether or not like how realistic the um, depiction of animal captivity is. And um, she talked about it like the Zoo Tycoon games um, and uh, a couple of the Connect games that were like zoo related as well. So it's kind of cool. (laughs) And then mine was like creepy little sisters and how they're like sexualized and, um, I don't know. Freaky. <laughs> so it's really interesting just in the last, I don't know, like three or four months, how many conferences I've learned about that I really, really want to go to. And given infinite time and an infinite budget, I think all I would do would be like travel <laughs> around and go to all of these different. Me too. Cause you're among like like-minded people and people who want to be there to talk about these things in depth and really analyze them. And, um, and, you know, I saw a lot of that at PAX East too. I felt like the panels were very, you know, they were kind of like informal, but 
at the same time, there was also a lot of really smart discussion going on behind them. And I feel as though I learned quite a bit at PAX East as well. Yeah, I was, again, I was impressed. There were there were the panels on um, transgender representation. Um, Able Gamers had a booth and did a couple of panels. Um, and I was able to go to one where they talked about inclusive game design. Um, you know, there was a parenting panel where... Um, you know, the the panelists were talking about how they like paint their boys, you know, fingernails and let their boys dress up in dresses and buy the mm-hmm. construction sets for the girls. And um, I was really um, anxious, I guess. Maybe anxious isn't the right word, but I had some trepidation about the kind of kinds of panels I would see there. But there were right. a lot of great discussions taking place. Absolutely. And I was a little. Um... You know, when I first went to PAX East um, two years ago, I wasn't sure, you know, what to make of it. Um, (laughs) Like, I was a little afraid of, um, I don't know, I cosplayed one day as, like, Catwoman from Arkham City. (laughs) I Like, it was just this cheap little, like, random costume that I bought. And I was, like, a little afraid of dressing up one day and going. And just because I didn't want to, like be harassed or anything but I actually discussed I did wasn't harassed at all I actually had a really positive experience and um this time I didn't cosplay at all I just you know I don't I'm like you I don't do crowds and um I don't really want a lot of attention so I just kind of (laughs) disappear and I was also there to like network and you know I don't think anyone would judge me if I came up to them in like a cat costume and was like hey I write for the site right I'm also dressed up as a cat (laughs) whatever I really like games yeah (laughs) but um yeah there was I mean these discussions um at these panels were just so wonderful and I just learned a lot about the gaming industry and um I went to um the life is strange panel which was really fantastic um it's one of my favorite games that's come out this year and um I met them afterward they're a bunch of like awesome French guys that are totally just nerdy and <laughs> they just love what they do and I could just see it it's so cool I lo- this this is why I like conventions and conferences right like it's just like Yay, geeks. You know, there's um, WizCon happening mm-hmm. this weekend, next weekend. Like, it's pretty soon, I think, in the sh- Wisconsin, of course. Yes, Aline. And, <laughs> you know, they have they have like a writer track and they have, you know, different different tracks you can participate in. But they're also doing things like having a um, a, a lunch or a dinner for people of color. So if you identify as a person of color, then... Oh, that's awesome. You know, you can go to this event and you can you can go talk to not white people about <laughs> things, you know, and I think right. that that's kind of a rare experience. Um, and it just sounds like such a neat, such a neat conference to go to. Have you gone to any, um, you know, trade shows or conferences or anything since PAX East? No, I um, I'm, I don't work in the gaming industry. Um, so PAX East was my like, oh, fun. I did go to, there's, it's a convention called Creative South in Columbus, Georgia. Um, and that was more for my husband, um, because he's, um, he had several friends. He had a friend who spoke there and then several friends who were attending. So we went to that. And then, um, actually this weekend, I'm going to a conference in Portland, um, called Write the Docs, um, because I'm a writer, um, (laughs) I'm a person who does documentation. Um, so I'm going to that, um, on, let's see, we're recording this on May 13th. So I guess I'm leaving on May 16th to go to that. Oh, that's exciting. And, um, then in, June, I'm going to be in San Francisco for Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference. Ooh, that's so cool. I, I got a scholarship to go, so I'm really excited about that. Oh, my God. Smarty pants. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, I wish I could go to, you know, Comic Cons and Phoenix Comic Con. I have to miss this year. Um, and I, that makes me sad because it's actually a really, really good con. Um mm-hmm. And there's not a whole lot in the Southwest, 
you know, we've got to drive, we've got Phoenix Comic Con and then we have a fan expo, but then we've got like San Diego Comic Con, which is a six hour drive or, you know, oh, like wow. Denver, or Salt Lake or whatever. And it's, it's just, there's not a lot nearby. I always forget like how big states are some states are because <laughs> massachusetts is just so small like i grew up here and it takes like two or three hours to just cross the state i mean it's not a big state and it's like <laughs> rhode island is like a tiny scrap of a state and it just like it blows my mind when people are like oh yeah it takes me six hours to get to like a different state right. and i'm like oh my god like i could go the next state yeah i could go to like any um like vermont new hampshire maine Connecticut, Rhode Island. I mean, I could go in to any of those states, like sometimes, you know, some, most of them will take like 40 minutes just to get into the border. Like it's not, you know, it's not very far. We're all kind of squished together over here. So it just blows my mind <laughs> that these states can be so big like that. <laughs> It's just not something I'm used to. I um so I grew up in the West and um I actually spent a month in um Massachusetts for work. And it was a thing where uh we'd collect um medical records from doctor's offices. Mm -hmm. And so at one point I was staying in Worcester. Worcester. <laughs> you pronounced <laughs> it correctly. And um I had to drive to Fall River like two or three days a week. Oh, that's far. And like for some reason, the route took me through Providence, Rhode Island. What? And I just did what the GPS told me to do. But, <laughs> but I was like, this is really weird. You know, I'm I'm from big square states and I'm not right. used to to how all of this fits together. Yeah, it's. It's weird. We're all very close and like nudging elbows with each other. <laughs> like if states had elbows, all our elbows would be touching. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. <laughs> we're just yeah, it's, you know, like going back to the what we were saying about, um, you know, like the the people that go to, you know, PAX East and these other shows, I feel like um, especially in light of everything that's going on with like Gamergate and everything, I just feel like um people who aren't too you know into the gaming culture or into the gaming community kind of like have this perception of like it being a really hostile environment and a culture and a community and I don't I mean personally I don't think it's all that hostile I mean I I mean yes Gamergate is that's not okay and it's never okay to bully anybody or you know do anything like that but honestly I met some of my best friends through gaming and it has a really special place for me and I think it has a lot of you know a special place for people in Gamergate too but it's just really interesting like I I always had a really positive experience both years when I went to PAX East and um, I there's always kind of this feeling of like togetherness or something like I could like turn to somebody and be like oh haha that game right and <laughs> they would totally get it and just respond to me and like I just felt like the community was really positive there, um, especially at PAX East. And even like you meeting you after the trans panel, like I just totally like when I saw I, I think I overheard you talking about your podcast and I was like, ooh, tell me more. And I just totally like usually I'm a pretty shy and well, not shy, but I'm a pretty quiet person and I'm not really one to initiate. But in a space like that where I'm among people who share my hobby and my passion and my love for everything games um I just felt totally open and like you know very confident that I could just approach mostly anybody um at PAX East and get some kind of positive response um I don't know if you kind of experienced the same um the same kind of thing oh yeah I, I totally did well and I think I think where the hostility comes in you know I think frequently when you're in a space like that, it's, um, you know, everybody's excited and everybody's on their best behavior. Yeah. Um, and everybody is like broad sweeping, you know. Um, I do know that, you know, I had a couple of friends who had some moments where they overheard some conversations or um, were with a group of like a friend and then some acquaintances. And there were some things said that um, kind of when that shield was dropped yeah, you know, I had friends who felt uncomfortable with some of the things that were said. Um, mm -hmm. 
And I, I think that's, I think that's an example of really the problem that, that we're faced with right now is that it's not the big overt, um, like meanness and biases that, that are the issue. It's for the most part, it's like the unconscious biases that people have that, that are the issue and the, the little slip ups, um, that happen that make people uncomfortable. Right. Exactly. So if, I think when you're like, when you're lucky enough to find a group of like-minded people, um, you don't encounter it in gaming so much. I don't think, um, right. The trick is filtering out those people who are, who do have those unconscious biases, I guess. Right. And I mean, you know, it's just because I had a positive experience. I mean, that obviously doesn't, you know, apply to everybody that went to PAX East or anybody in like the gaming community, you know, outside of PAX East, um, you know, because it's, <laughs> I mean, you know, the unconscious bias is there in some people. And I think just educating and making somebody aware of it is kind of all you can really do mm-hmm. at this point. Um, I know that Brianna Wu, um, she recently, uh, her phone number got leaked out and I guess people have been calling her like all night and Mm -hmm. it's just you know that's that kind of thing is just totally unacceptable no matter what community or culture you're you know you identify with or belong in or you know um there are things that do happen and you know but I just feel I've met some really awesome people right and you know for the most part it's been mostly positive for me I've come across you know some things that weren't so positive but that's life (laughs) yeah yeah and like you said I don't I really don't I don't think it's most people I think I think that the Gamergate is a small minority a small vocal hostile minority of people right um you know and I think that that those unconscious biases we do encounter a lot of the time can be corrected by just saying oh hey did you ever stop to think about what that means or right you know and how that would mean to somebody else or right you know it's just being self-aware and aware of others and how they might interpret it or you know react to it yeah yeah and I think that um you know the the people that I I have friends and people that or people who I admire greatly and who I love who every once in a while something comes out of their mouth and I have to look at them sideways and you know and they <laughs> they do the same thing to me every once in a while I say something and they're like did you really just listen to yourself and I'm like oh crap you know I've got it <laughs> I need to reevaluate the way I think about that or what that statement really means I really appreciate when people call you out <laughs> Not like just flat out call you up, but call you out in a way that is respectful and smart. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mind being called out, you know, on certain things. Um, like I grew up white middle class, the whole privilege thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind if people call me out, you know, if even if I'm doing because most of the time it's just unconscious. It's just the way, you know, it is what it is. And, you know. If people call me out, that's fine. I think that's good. And, and, you know, it just makes me a better and more aware person, I feel. So, but yeah, my friends and I keep each other in check, too, similar to your experiences. Mm-hmm. It's good to have friends who do that. Yeah, um, absolutely. And it's good to have, you know, I have friends in spaces I don't occupy. Like, again, going back to transgender issues, mm-hmm. I'm cisgender and, you know, sometimes I don't phrase things correctly, or I'm not thinking about things correctly, and I can go to them and say, hey, you know, can you help me? I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I'm saying this right or or whatever. Or they'll notice something I say and then say, hey, Elaine, like, I get what you're trying to say. Maybe if you phrased it this way, it'd be a little bit, you know, better for everybody. And um, I'm actually giving a talk, I think, by the time this goes out. So this podcast will air... Uh, or we'll go live on the 25th. So hopefully mm-hmm. I'm giving a talk at AltConf and at, um, that's concurrent with WWDC. And this is one of the things I'm going to talk about is like 
accepting correction gracefully. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because, I mean, we're all human. I mean, we're going to make mistakes. You know, you could, like, for example, um, I, when I wrote the um, article on mental illness uh, or mentally ill characters and um, the insanity trope, um, I, I used a word, I think it was overcome at the end of my post, at the end of, uh, I think it was towards the end of it, maybe the last paragraph or something. <clears throat> and somebody on Twitter called me out and was like, um, not everybody can overcome their mental illness or something. And that totally was like, not what I, <laughs> what I intended to write. It just like came out that way, but we had a dialogue about it on Twitter and I went in and I made the correction. I said, you know, thank you for pointing that out to me. And, you know, um, because the way uh, this person read it and interpreted my article was that, like, um, the only way, like, the only way of um, of a mentally ill character um, can get better or, you know, can be reflected in a more positive light is if they overcome it. And I didn't realize the the way that sounded at the time. And so when this person pointed that out and was like, you know, not not everybody can overcome it. Like a lot of people can't. Mm -hmm. And I totally got that. And I was, you know, I felt really bad. I was like, Oh my God, like I am totally sorry. And, you know, I, um, let's talk about it and I will fix it. And, you know, it's just, it's just about being graceful, like you said about it. And just, um, you know, going back to like the trans, um, the trans discussion, uh, I am also, uh, you know, identify the same as you. And I do have a couple of um, trans friends and I will often go to them, um, <clears throat> you know, if I have questions or if I, if I am not sure if I'm using the, the, like a certain term correctly. And, you know, they're really appreciative of that um, because I am not a part of that culture and, you know, I don't have that experience. So. Yeah. And I do want to point out just, you know, obviously Ashley and I are going to our friends um, I, I don't think that people should expect like, oh, you're transgender and I have questions, so you should answer them for me. That is completely right. different from what we're talking about. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. <laughs> we're talking about people who we have said, hey, if I have a question and I want to get this right, can I come to you? And they've said, yeah. So I just, you know, something that that we talk about on the show um, not infrequently is like how um, I remember talking to Kronda Adair on one of my early episodes and she's um a black you know the first words out of her mouth are I'm Kronda I'm a black lesbian living in the Pacific Northwest and I was like okay um <laughs> you know but she she does not really engage in um discussions about like racism and right. like educating white people on racism she's like I've had this conversation I'm done doing it and I completely respect that um yeah totally so and we all need to, we need to find, like, if you can find a safe person to talk to who's willing to, that's amazing. And I'm, I'm so extremely grateful that I have people like that in my life. Me too. I, yeah. And I, t I just want to reiterate that, you know, it's totally okay to, to ask somebody who you feel safe around, or if you're, you know, you're friendly with like Aileen and I have, you know, trans friends and all that, but um, yeah, you shouldn't expect just approach somebody and just like demand or expect answers or anything like that. It's just like, I don't know. It's just, it. I don't know if I would approach like a stranger on the street and just be like, you have to answer all my questions right, right now. And, um, you know, and that might be something that they're not comfortable with. And again, it just goes back to being self-aware and seeing how other people might feel about it or interpret it. Um, you know. Well, it's kind of like, um, like to give a really mundane and under exaggerated example, like <laughs> it'd be like going up to somebody on the street and asking them like, like about their clothing choices every day or, yeah. you know, like, like engaging in, in conversations that, um, like they don't have a liability, like. I don't owe you an explanation about why I chose the Star Wars t-shirt today. You know, right. like that's a really, really, really like oversimplification, but like people don't owe you explanations. <laughs> they just... I think that's a really good way of putting it, actually. Um, and I think like keeping it 
kind of simple like that is just, I don't know, it's kind of clear as day to me. I mean, you know, if people don't want to engage in a conversation they've had over and over and over again, um, you know, it's up to them if they decide to engage you or not. But at the end of the day, they don't owe you that, you know, their time and their words if that is <laughs> if that is not what they want to talk about. Like, I totally understand that. It just kind of comes down to just basic respect and um, understanding. Because, yeah, we've come across that a couple of times um, on the Not Your Mama's Gamer Twitter account. And, you know, sometimes, I mean, we write about a lot of this stuff. And, you know, if you're really wanting to get into it, you know, you can definitely look at our articles or the website or you can listen to our podcast where we talk about like a lot of the stuff in length. But when you're like, you know, demanding an explanation of like a specific person on Twitter, you know, we don't, you know it's up to us if we decide to engage you in a dialogue or not, but like, we don't owe you that, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's why we have a million bajillion articles on our, you know, on our website, you know, our website is all about inclusiveness, you know, diversity. Um, we do things from a feminist perspective. Like we, we really do like engage quite a bit on the site. Um, but yeah, it can just feel kind of, um, I don't know like demanding and it can just kind of push the person into an uncomfortable space. And, you know, I get that. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of these are talk to me about the choices you've made. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, one, a lot of these issues, you know, a lot of the things you want to talk about are not choices. They just are. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, you don't walk up to a person of color and say, oh, well, why is your skin not white? Um, yep. And, and that'd be a really weird question right right <laughs> and and two it's um it's invasive and it's none of your business why why right. anyone is the way they are or why you know and yeah yeah just don't do it like we had a tran yeah. transgender etiquette episode recently and that was a lot of it. it was just like don't do it just yeah just don't just keep yourself to yourself there's yeah trans, i feel like transgender the transgender community um they get a lot of those invasive questions it seems um like a friend of mine is transgender and he's you know been asked about his you know privates and that's really that's really just terrible i mean it's just, <laughs> you know it's it's his body and he does not owe you an explanation of his body at all and it's just oh it's awful it's very common too it was, yeah, and that's part of why we did, why I had the episode is because I was like, all right, well, it was just after the Bruce Jenner interview, and oh, I, yeah, I didn't yeah. like the way some of the questions were phrased. I didn't feel like I didn't either. They needed to be asked, and so I actually, um, I had a friend come on. Her name is Ashley, and I, <laughs> I was like, good name, isn't it? <laughs> It's a good name. <laughs> and I was like, so Ashley, why shouldn't people ask you about your genitals or? Why shouldn't people ask you about your genitals? And mm -hmm. she was like, why would you ask anybody about their genitals? Right. And I'm like, exactly. That's so well put. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And I feel I think it was at the the um, Press XY panel that where we met that um, I think it was Molly said that transgender people are one of the last people it's socially acceptable to pick on. Um, you know, racism still exists, but. You know, right. it's it's pretty well known that you don't make racist remarks in polite company anyway. Right. And I thought that was a really interesting observation. In my experience, it seems to be pretty true. Was that something um, Molly talked about during the panel or after the panel? Because I think you and I met after with Molly and then she dropped all her nachos. <laughs> yep. Yep. That did happen. <laughs> um, I think it was during the panel. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, not, you know, not that two cisgender people need to talk about trans issues, but I think that it's, no, no, it's so, but... so important that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very passionate about being an advocate for trans people. And sometimes, uh, I feel like I start to step into the speaking for trans people space. So <laughs> yeah, I try to, yeah. I try to walk a line, um, 
It's a really fine line. And I, you know, I find that like a coworker came to me, um, she's a good friend of mine and she came to me asking me about <clears throat> like trans questions. Cause she's not really into the, the, you know, she's obviously not a part of the trans culture. She's not trans. She's, um, and she's coming to me and asking me about it just because like one of my best friends is a trans person. And I was like, I'm not, you know, like I'm not trans. Like I can't, really i i can tell you like kind of what i know because of the questions i've asked my friend but like i don't you know i can't speak for that i'm like i don't know <laughs> i just it was putting me in a weird space cuz i'm like i can't speak for them and i don't know the terms like you know fully myself like i just you know i don't i'm not totally comfortable answering like these questions because i'm not too sure myself and i don't know you know i'm not in that community yeah. so I totally understand that line. And there are excellent resources for people who want to yeah. to learn more. There's, um, I think I included some links to GLAAD um, in the ap- episode with the other Ashley, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, there are, there are a lot of ways that people can educate themselves without putting people on right. the spot. Absolutely. <laughs> so what games have you been playing lately? Um, what have I been playing? I've been playing a lot of like, so I started following, um, let me try to get their name here. I think it's called Alpha Beta Gamer. Um, they have like a a page on Facebook and I love the game they advertise. Like they're just so up my alley. And so I've been playing, um, I actually played this game recently called Hotel Remorse and it's like a 10 minute demo and it is scary as hell. (laughs) It's, um, it's basically a college project, but it's a really ambitious college project. I think it's by some guy from Ireland. I like, I tweeted him because I was like, oh my God, your game scared the crap out of me. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, it's a really ambitious college project and there's not a lot of games set in hotels anymore. Mm-hmm. like or at all really i mean there's like movies like there's tower of terror and there's like you know the overlook hotel and the shining and you know it, there's there's scary hotels in some media but not really in games and i thought that was really unique because like the shining is one of my favorite books and i was like oh this takes place in a creepy hotel and you're like the only one there you can't really open up any of the doors and um and there's something really scary about walking down long corridors and or hallways and and not knowing what you're gonna find at the end, you know, because it's dimly lit at the end, and I'm, it's just really freaky. Um, I've also been playing. Well, oh, I play. I've been playing this um, game on my iPhone called Lifeline, and it's basically like you're texting a stranded astronaut back and oh, forth. I've heard about that. Yeah, it's really good. It's like a text-based game. So basically, um, you talk to this college student slash intern that was like on this, um, I don't know, he was on this like vessel, this space vessel, and it ended up crashing. And of course, like the intern was the only one that survived. And he's like, I'm not equipped with all the skills necessary because I'm just an intern and I need a supervisor at all time. And he's really funny. And um, so basically, he contacts you and you're like his only link to communication and he's very reliant on you and you kind of you know he describes his journey and a lot of the action happens like off screen like he'll go away for a couple of hours then he'll come back and he'll be like oh I found this thing and you know what should I do with it and you can you get like two different choices to pick and it's kind of like a like almost kind of like Mass Effect where you get to pick the dialogue option but it's really good and I think um I also tweeted the developer of that because I think he's a Telltale writer okay. as well. Um, so that's been really fun. And I've been s- sneakily playing it at work because Taylor will like message me and it will almost come up like a text message. And he'll be like, I need help. I'm waiting for you. And then I'm like, okay, Taylor, I'll just help <laughs> you really quick. And then I like, <laughs> so I'm like sitting there like a, like a high school student with like the phone under my <laughs> under my work desk. And I'm like, I'll see you, Taylor. We're going to do this. Um, but it's a really cool, interesting game. And he's just so relatable. And it's, you know, it's pretty well written. Like his dialogue is so it's funny and you know he's he's very freaked out and you know he kind of uses humor and sarcasm as kind of a way to like deflect the reality of his situation where 
he's the only survivor and he like crash landed on a moon somewhere so um is that a game you can play in like 30 second bursts or do you need to get um, that's that's what i have for gaming right now is like okay i need to walk down the hall to get from point a to point b in my house like that's <laughs> that's my gaming time <laughs> um you can i mean you don't have to answer him right away you can answer you can get back to him and you know you can answer him later um but yeah it's maybe like a couple of minutes of a burst of dialogue and then you decide something and he's like okay i'm gonna go do what you just told me to do and i'll come back to you and he'll he'll respond back in like maybe an hour or something so it's not like a continuous you know you don't need to focus your whole attention on it all the time um and that's kind of what I like because I find that like working a nine to five job is really draining. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I just don't have the focus. And, you know, on top of that, I also am looking at sites like FemHype and Offworld to get inspiration to write like the post, you know, my, my articles that I write on Not Your Mama's Gamers. So, you know, I work a nine to five at publishing and then I come home and then I do a lot of research and I do a lot of writing and... So I just don't have the time that I used to to game anymore or the energy or focus, which is really sad. Mm -hmm. So I tend to download like a lot of demos of games and things like that and just play it kind of at my leisure. Like I used to be so hardcore into Final Fantasy and holy <laughs> man, those, those, <laughs> those games, I mean, <laughs> that was when like when we're thinking about PS2, those games were like, what, four discs long? I, or something like that. I didn't have a PS2. I don't know. Oh, it's yeah. They they were like insanely insanely long games that you really had to commit a lot of time to. And I just don't have the time anymore. It's really sad. What have you been playing? I haven't. So oh. I know I um like, I haven't even been playing iPhone games. I've got um the the opportunity to apply for the WWDC scholarship came up, and so. Mm -hmm everything has been focused on that right. plus um putting together my alt conf um stuff plus work um so it's like my whole life right now is like studying putting a talk together and working and like i'm not <laughs> like not cleaning the house i'm not it's like oh, those no. three things so yeah. But I keep here, and, and my Steam library keeps growing. I have all of oh these games goodness. on Steam to play. And <laughs> Same here. I'm like, I need to take like three months off of work so that I can game and clean my house. I know. I've actually been playing Don't Starve Together on Steam. My boyfriend and I have been playing it like obsessively. Like, we'll dedicate like an hour a night just to play it because we like it so much. What's that about? It's kind of like, <laughs> it's like a survival kind of thing. Um. But it's very offbeat and funny. Like, it reminds me of, like, it's all, it looks like it's actually all hand-drawn to me. Um, and all the characters are kind of funky and offbeat, kind of like the sort of characters you'd see in a Tim Burton movie. Um, like, they're all very dark and pale and, like, their hair is kind of wacky. And um, it's, yeah, it's basically, um, they came out with a Don't Starve Together beta and I've been playing it online with my boyfriend who's in the other room playing it and um yeah you just it's kind of it reminds me a little bit of minecraft and that you have to like collect items and you have to build like a fire and you can build weapons and um it's basically just surviving and you get to survive through different seasons and um you know it's kind of a wacky game but i really enjoy it the music is very circus like it's very silly it does look um, very timber timber it really is. And I, I love, you know, Tim Burton. I grew up loving Beetlejuice and all those really weird uh -huh. <laughs> movies that he did. And when I saw it, um, actually, we, uh, Not Your Mama's Gamer, all of us got together for our 100th episode of the podcast. And we actually played it <laughs> during the podcast. We did like a live stream. And, you know, I feel like the podcast, like we're all very distracted because we're playing it. So like... <laughs> It's a little funny. Like, I feel like we're not really talking about games because we're so distracted playing. Like, playing one. Yeah. So it's a good one, though. So so you work in publishing. Are you also, when you're not reading sites on the Internet, are you also a reader? I am. Um, I'm reading right now, currently, Andy, I think his last name is uh, pronounced Weir. 
Andy Weir's The Martian. Um, and I'm also I'm also still reading Let the Right One, and I actually downloaded the book that the movie is based off of, and it's a beautifully written book. Um, I'm also like halfway through the first Dune book, and I've been halfway for like months because <laughs> it just I like it, but the writing is so dense, and like it took me a long time to understand like his terminology because they kind of have a word for for everything and like like a mentat i think is i think that's what it's called is like a human computer um i don't know it's it's taking me a while to get through it (laughs) i'll get through it one day someday yeah i have i have books like that too where it's just like i've read the first i don't know quarter or half and then you know i'm i I might get back to it eventually yeah yeah what kind of books do you like to read um I like a little bit of everything. Um, people who've listened to the podcast, it's the same things that I've been saying. I really like um, James S.A. Corey's The Expanse series. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a few quibbles with it, but overall, I think that it's um, it's pretty solid. Um, so there's that. I've been reading um, Scott Westerfield's Leviathan series. Oh, that is so good. Um, and I've been like, like you with Dune, I've been halfway through the second one in that <laughs> series for um, like a month or two at this point or longer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really looking forward to being able to go back to that. Um, trying to think. What else? Like I never could get into like Stephen King. Um, I mean, I've read probably half a dozen of his books and I've always just been kind of like, eh. Um, I really like Neil Gaiman, American Gods, <laughs> Ocean at the End of the Lane. Um, what else? Neverwhere, Good Omens. Like, I I think those are all really good books. Have you read the Graveyard book? I have not. It's on my list, oh, but I haven't. It's really good. I think it's probably my favorite of Neil Gaiman's. Oh, really? Yeah, I actually met his wife. Um, at my um, in my office, actually, we published one of her books. Um, Amanda Palmer is really cool (laughs) and it makes so much sense that the two of them are together. They're just like totally quirky, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, artistic kind of couple. Yeah. Amanda effing Palmer. Yeah. She's, Mm -hmm. um, she's an interesting, I don't like her music. Um, Yeah. It's kind of an acquired taste. I feel. Yeah. I don't, I, so she was with the Dresden Dolls, lead singer of the Dresden Dolls and they're not, it's not my favorite, but um she seems like a really interesting cool person who just is who she is (laughs) that's so true and if you don't like it that's okay like if you're vocal about it she'll like maybe give you a few choice words about it and otherwise (laughs) like I don't know I just really admire because I'm I'm such a self-conscious person like Mm -hmm. I admire the people who are just boldly themselves yeah, and she's like the boldest of them all. Yeah. <laughs> she's very cool. She um I don't know, she's just a really genuine person. Like I asked her a couple of questions and she kept referring to Neil Gaiman as Neil and I was like, "Oh my goodness. Like, <laughs> this is insane." <laughs> but really cool and it just makes you realize that they're just regular people and you know, they feel the same kind of, you know, kinds of things that we do and I don't know, it was a really humbling experience. That sounds like so much fun, though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she sang us a song and, oh, my God, her voice sailed through the whole office because she was so loud. And this girl had no microphone. And I was like, oh, my God, she's so loud, but so great. <laughs> she I can see that. Yeah. Well, and she was a street performer. I guess she didn't. She wasn't a vocal street performer, though. I was going to say she had yeah, to learn how to project silent. her voice, but. Yeah, it was all about silent interactions. So she, um, she has, I mean, she's from Massachusetts. So she has a lot of like, you know, her street performance uh, took place in Harvard Square. Um, and she would just stand up on a milk crate every day. And she was, I think it was called the bride. Mm-hmm. So she would just be all dressed in white and she would give people flowers um, in exchange for, I don't know, a picture or if they don't, if they gave her money or something. So, and it's interesting because she's such a vocal person. <laughs> yeah. And she actually has a TED talk about it. And I think it was called The Art of Asking. Like her book is titled The Art of Asking. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, so I'll put a link to that in the show notes too. So Ashley, how can people find you? So you, everybody can find, uh, well, you can find me at my Twitter handle at a Barry spelled B-A-R-R-Y 4099. You can also follow Not Your Mama's Gamer at NYM Gamer, um, and that's their Twitter handle. And um, our website is kind of weird. It's, it is called Not Your Mama's Gamer, but it actually starts with www.samanthablackman.net slash Not Your Mama's Gamer. But if you just type it in Google, it, it comes will pop up. up. <laughs> I do that so, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep, that's how, uh, that's how you find us. That's how you find me. So. Um, and you can find the show on Twitter at less than or equal. If you have feedback, suggestions for guests, or would like to be a guest, please go to less than or equal.com and fill out the contact form. If you have a few minutes, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review on iTunes or even just a star rating. We also have a Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash Aline. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time on an internet near you, I'm Aline Sims for less than or equal.